0: Okay, hello everybody. Today is Monday, another Zodiac Monday. Welcome to the show. How's everybody doing? I hope everyone had a good weekend. And today I will be discussing the book Hunted by Mark Hewitt as well as several other Zodiac killer related subjects. But just one announcement to begin with. Tom Voigt released a video on his YouTube channel Zodiac Killer Official saying that there will be a new Streaming program slash TV show. I hope I'm using the right terminology. Do we still call them TV shows if they're streaming programs? Because then you can watch it on anything that's not TV as well. There's going to be a new show about the Zodiac Killer. Why don't we just say that? And this will be out on the Peacock streaming service. I have Peacock. It's actually one of the more affordable streaming services. It's only about five ninety nine a month, I think. And I use it all the time. So that's something for us to look forward to, and we'll follow the developments of that in the near future. I've also been discussing and corresponding a little bit with Mark Hewitt, who is the author of the books Hunted, Profiled, and Exposed, three books about the Zodiac Killer, and I would actually like to discuss a very small section of the book Hunted here, and I will perhaps uh, can do a follow-up next week. On this one, because I'm only going to look at some of the comments that Mark Hewitt has made about one of the first possible Zodiac crimes. The Zodiac Killer was a serial killer who operated in California in 1968 and 69. However, some people do not believe that the first Zodiac crime took place in 1968 with the Lake Herman Road murders. Some people think that it was in 1966 with the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, who was attacked outside of the RCC library, that's the Riverside City College, and she was stabbed with a knife and she was cut numerous times, and that her body was actually found on Halloween morning of 1966, and it was a very rough and brutal attack. One of the reasons why people think that Sherry Jo was murdered by the Zodiac killer is because in a correspondence, the Zodiac said that, you've stumbled upon my Riverside activity, but you're only getting the easy ones. There were a hell of a lot more down there, and some people think that that was indicating that there were pre-Zodiac murders. In total, the Zodiac officially murdered five people during the crime spree that took place from 1968 to 69, beginning on December 20th and ending on October 11th of 1969. The Zodiac would also attack uh, Darlene Farron and Mike Michaud on the 4th of July of that year, and then the Zodiac would stab Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard, on September 27th of 1969, and the final crime was the murder of Paul Stein, a taxi driver, on October 11th of 1969 as well. So all of the confirmed Zodiac crimes took place in less than a one-year cycle, and there are two real conflicting theories about this. The first is that some people think that this was just a crime spree that was orchestrated by someone, and It was specifically designed, it was calculated, it was done for a specific reason, and that's why there are so few incidents. We're a very short time frame. I mean, it's very normal for some serial killers to murder only five people, but normally the time frame is much larger than just a ten-month cycle. But then there's a conflicting theory that people would use to challenge that by saying, well, of course, the serial killer murdering five people in one year... That People just don't stop doing that unless they have a very specific reason. They think there were pre-Zodiac crimes and post-Zodiac crimes. Some examples of this would be the murder of Ray Davis in 1962, the Domingo Sedwards murders in 1963, the Swindle murders in 1964, and the murder of Sherry Jo Bates in 1966, which I will be talking about right now. As I said, Sherry Jo Bates was stabbed to death Um, on October 30th of 1966, outside of the RCC library. And I would like to go to a part of Mark Hewitt's book called The Confession Letters, because this is another reason why people think that that crime was an early, less experienced Zodiac killer, because three sets of writing were mailed after the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, going from November of sixty-six all the way to the spring of 1967. The investigation reignited one month after the killing with the arrival of two letters. On November 29th, an unstamped envelope addressed to the Homicide Division in Riverside was removed from the collection box in the main post office at 5 p.m. The block lettering done in heavy felt pen was likely a disguise of the true handwriting of the author. Inside, the RPD found their copy of the confession letter. The very next day, the Riverside newspaper, called the Daily Enterprise, Today it is publishing as the Press Enterprise, received an unstamped envelope with a separate copy of the confession letter. And I've read this off on the channel before, but I'm going to read it again just to put some things into context, because I'm glad Mark Hewitt was talking about this, because I really wanted to do a bigger analysis on the confession letter, for lack of a better term, the confession by blank, and there's just a dash there, she was young and beautiful, but now she is battered and dead. She is not the first, and she will not be the last. I lay awake thinking about my next victim. Maybe she will be the beautiful blonde that babysits near the little store and walks down the dark alley each evening about seven. Or maybe she will be the shapely blue-eyed br- brownette that d- said no when I asked her for a date in high school. But maybe it will be it will not be either. But I shall cut off her female parts and deposit them for the whole city to see. So don't make it easy for me. Keep your sisters, daughters, and wives off the streets and alleys. Miss Bates was stupid. She went to the slaughter like a lamb. She did not put up a struggle, but I did. It was a ball. I first pulled the middle wire from the distributor. Then I waited for her in the library and followed her out after about two minutes. The battery must have been about dead by then. I offered to help she was very willing to talk with me i told her that my car was down the street and that i would like to give her a lift home when we were away from the library walking i said it was about time she asked me about time for what i said it was about time for her to die i grabbed her around the neck with my hand over her mouth and my other hand with a small knife to her throat she went very willingly. Her breast felt very warm and firm under my hands, but only one thing was on my mind, making her pay for the brush-offs that she had given me during the years prior. She died hard. She squirmed and shook as I choked her, and her lips twitched. She let out a scream once I kicked her in the head to shut her up. I plunged the knife into her, and it broke. I then finished the job by cutting her throat. I am not sick. I am insane. But that will not stop the game. This letter should be published for all to read. It just might save that girl in the alley, but that's up to you. It will be on your conscience, not mine. Yes, I did make that call to you also. It was just a warning. Beware, I'm stalking your girls now. And it says, C.C., um, C., Chief of Police, Enterprise. Now, uh, Mark Hewitt has a lot of analysis in this book on his own about the Riverside Confession and I would like to look at some of the reasons why some people think that this was written by the Zodiac Killer, and then I'll talk about the reasons why people think that this was not the Zodiac. And bear in mind that this was 1966, so no one is impersonating the Zodiac, because the Zodiac hadn't revealed himself to the world yet. So, the points that um, Mark Hewitt has shared in this um, section of Hunted about why would this be written by the Zodiac Killer, Number one, the confession by blank, and there's a dash mark there. The Zodiac Killer would do this later on when he mailed the Z13 cipher in 1970 that says, my name is Dash. And some people like Kelly Marshall have built their entire theory based on this, and I'm thinking that that's going to be the clue to everything, and that she has a whole bunch of tricks she does with the ciphers, but um, I don't uh, agree with her observations. But that is a similarity. They both said that their name was Dash, or they used a blank space for their name. And then this is an interesting one that Mark Hewitt pointed out, that the person who wrote the Riverside Confession says, her breast felt warm, and that is a reference to sexual activity in an early communication. The Zodiac Killer murdered... Darlene Farron and shot Mike Michaud on July 4th of 1969, and on July 31st of 1969, the first cipher was mailed in three parts to the San Francisco Chronicle, the San Francisco Examiner, and the Vallejo Times-Herald. When you put the parts together in a specific order, it would reveal the solution. I like killing people because it's so much fun. It's even more fun than, ge- than hunting wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all, and there's a part in there that says... Killing is the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. So the 408 cipher also has a reference to sexual activity, and bear in mind that none of the victims in either cases, the Zodiac crimes or the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, were sexually assaulted, yet the person writing the um, the correspondences, if you will, is including a sexual connection and i still think that this is the absolute um, biggest thorn in my side these days about trying to distance the zodiac from the murder of sherry joe bates the use of the words twitch and squirm and not only that but twitch is misspelled and then the zodiac would later misspell the word Twitch as well. Twitch is spelled T-W-I-C-H-E-D in the confession. And let's just address this, that the Riverside Confession is absolutely filled with misspellings, and the Zodiac letters were absolutely filled with misspellings. And I think a lot of people are on the fence about this one as well. They might think that, well, we weren't using computers back then. Yeah, we, I didn't exist in 1966 either. They weren't using computers back then, they didn't have spell check, so if someone's typing something out on a typewriter, they perhaps didn't want to cross it out and start over, and um, I've seen that typewriter key that marks out a letter, but um, they didn't want to do that either, they're just going to keep on writing the typed confession, even if there are misspellings. But bear in mind as well that Jack the Ripper also had numerous misspellings in the correspondences from 1888 after the Whitechapel murders. But, now, I've wanted to talk about the linguistic components of this Riverside Confession for quite some time. Now, Mark Hewitt even writes this out in Hunted on page 30, when he says, The motive behind Bates' death, according to the letters, was revenge for the brush-offs she had apparently given the killer during the years prior. That is very important, because people can guess all they want, but I have not seen any substantial connection between the Zodiac killer and any of the victims. Some people are saying that the Zodiac harassed Darlene Farron at a restaurant. Some people are saying that the Zodiac knew David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, and they were specific targets. I've even speculated that Cecilia Shepard knew the Zodiac because she was stabbed and the other victims were shot. And then some people think that this was all an elaborate plot. Just to kill Paul Stein because he had information about the killer and a series of unrelated murders were committed to cover it up. And just to confuse the authorities, everybody has a theory. Everybody has a lot of educated guesswork on how the Zodiac Killer knew some of the victims. But I have never seen an ounce of convincing evidence that would suggest that. Let's look at the differences here in the riverside confession what would suggest that the zodiac did not write the confession firstly sherry joe bates is addressed by name it says miss bates was stupid she went to the slaughter like a lamb and she's actually even mentioned a second time when it says that uh miss bates uh went willingly well no matter what though um looking for that exact line, so don't quote me on that, but no matter what, she is addressed by name in this one, and the Zodiac Killer did not do that, and that's not my own original observation. That came from classic Chevy Cat, which she put in the comments section, and I invite all of you guys to put um, your ideas in the comments section as well. You can always like, subscribe, so you can follow along with all of these true crime discussions, but here is another thing that is um very important the person who wrote the Riverside Confession says very clearly that he, and I'm I'm expecting it's a man, he's saying very clearly that he is targeting only women. And the Zodiac Killer targeted both men and women. And not only that, though, the Zodiac said very clearly that he wanted to hunt people for sport, as I said in the 408 cipher, um, I like killing people because it's so much fun. It's even more fun than hunting wild game in the forest. This letter says, Beware, I'm stalking your girls now. And also, this is about going after women who have a very personal connection to this person. In short, this will, if this confession is authentic, then that would suggest that this person knew Sherry Jo Bates, and he wanted to be romantically involved with her, but she perhaps either didn't notice him or rejected him in some way, so he retaliated in a very violent and destructive manner. But you don't get those types of um details in the Zodiac letters. The Zodiac would talk about being lonely, the Zodiac would talk about the way the crimes were committed, but I don't recall anything specific, such as um, she had to pay for the brush-offs that she had given me during the years prior, and um, I'm also not convinced that feeling her breast while he is stabbing her is on par with something like getting your rocks off with a girl, which, as I understand, refers to ejaculation, and... I would like to know what you guys think. What do you think that is more, is more, a more convincing explanation? Did the Zodiac write the Riverside Confession, or, or was this a, just an unrelated person who wrote this? And it's an unsolved case, so anything is fair, but I still insist, even as someone who thinks that the Zodiac did not write this, had the Zodiac had nothing to do with the Bates murder, but these use of words like squirmed and twitched, Absolutely, absolutely. I have to um, give everybody credit for that who is standing by their observation. And Richard Grinnell of Zodiac Cyphers had a very interesting take on the Riverside Confession, and you can hear all about this on the Zodiacular Channel's interviews with the Experts series, where I've also interviewed Mark Hewitt. I'm the host of that program as well. And the Zodiacular Channel also has released the podcast, Serial Killer Zeta A. But what Richard Grinnell said was, There is a very interesting commonality among all of the correspondences and pieces of writing that are found after the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, and that is that they all contain the infinitive verb to die, that meaning that those two words are together, the infinitive verb. And some people were saying in the comments section discussing, is it just to die, or is it the word die itself? The Zodiac, of course, used word die, saying, and again in the 408, 408 cipher, when I die, I will be reborn in paradise, and those who I have killed will be my slaves. I'm paraphrasing, but that definitely happened. But this is the infinitive verb to die, and that is not found in the Zodiac letters and correspondences, to the best of my knowledge at the time. But we have the Riverside Confession, which I've just read off here. Then there is the desktop poem that was found in December of 66, and then the three letters that were mailed in the spring of 1967 that say, Bates had to die, there will be more. And of course, the title of the desktop poem is Sick of Living, Unwilling to Die. So that is another um, very, very intriguing linguistic connection among those three correspondences. Also in this part of the book, Hunted, Mark Hewitt talks about the desktop poem, and I've uh, I've read off a little bit about the Riverside Confession, so let's look at the desktop poem, and I'll read that for you guys again, even though I have shared it on this channel. In fact, I'll just go to um, page 36 and read some of Mark Hewitt's notes about the desktop poem. Earlier, sometime in December of 1966, a custodian at the RCC Library, while stowing furniture in a separate storage room, discovered a desk whose soft plywood surface had been defaced with a poem. The desk was likely available to students in the library around the time of Bates' murder. Its doggerel, if tied to the killing, was only obliquely related. The prose went as followed sick of living, unwilling to die, cut clean, if red, clean, blood spurting, dripping, spilling, all over her new dress. Oh well, it was red anyway, life draining unto an uncertain death. She won't die. This time someone'll find her. Just wait. Till next time. RH. And I still stand by a lot of the claims that I have made about the desktop poem that In the past, I said that it's not even talking about a murder. It's talking about self-mutilation. But the exact term that Mark Hewitt uses in the book Hunted is attempted suicide, and I do think that that is more appropriate. So maybe I have the same reasons, but yes, I would agree with Mark Hewitt. It is talking about attempted suicide. I mean, it says very clearly, life draining into an uncertain death she won't die this time, someone will find her. And there's also a very big piece of analysis that is written in the book, America's Jack the Ripper by Soren Korsgaard, when he talks about uh, both the Riverside Confession and the Desktop poem. Now, as I understand from reading these sections here in Hunted, Mark Hewitt is perhaps taking the stance that The desktop home was not written by the zodiac and perhaps it is not even zodiac related at all for the following reasons number one it says that blood was spilling all over her red dress sherry joe bates was not murdered in a red dress number two it says she won't die this time but sherry joe bates was indeed murdered someone will find her and just wait till next time no that didn't happen so in fact because i have the book right here i can just read some of that for you etched with a ballpoint pen the words appear to describe The unsuccessful suicide attempt of a woman wearing a red dress. The only real relationship to the Bates murder were the poet's references to death, to cutting, and to blood. Bates did not wear a red dress on the night of her demise. The poem may have carried no connection to the case at all. The desktop message was signed with the letters R and H, interpreted by some to mean the initials of the killer of Bates. The letters could also have been a reference to blood typing, which distinguishes blood's RH factor. At the time of the murder, the president of the RCC, where the murder occurred and the poem was discovered, was RH Bradshaw, and some people even think that it is Robin Hood. In a recent episode of the Zodiac Killer News Report, I was also talking about something that was sent to me from Saker Carini, when he said that, He thought that the R.H. was paying tribute to the poet R.H. Barlow, who also wrote lots of morbid poetry, and when I began to read some of it, I actually thought that that was a reasonable suggestion, but here is another challenge to some of these, and Mark Hewitt isn't endorsing any of these things, like that the R.H. is standing for Robin Hood, to be clear, but here is something that people have shared in the comments section on Black Box All Night Radio that... The killer, I shouldn't say that, the author of the poem was using his real initials, or her real initials, but most likely his. They're using their real initials because they didn't expect anyone to figure out that it was them. They didn't even expect anyone was going to be paying attention to the desktop poem. So they were using their real initials. But I often notice that... um, A lot of people, even at an early age, develop a pen name, a pseudonym, a nom de plume, if you will. So perhaps that somebody could have created this type of name that they wanted to attribute to their writing. Like, lots of writers use pen names. The whole point is that the writer was actually trying to sign his work with his... So with a name that genuinely was used by him, and that this person was not the killer. I do have to stand by my statement, that I don't think that the murderer of Cherie Jobe's nor the Zodiac Killer, wrote this poem, because other than blood and death, there really isn't a lot of a connection. It was very good for the custodian to turn it over, but I think Mark Hewitt and I are are mostly in agreement on that one, and one more time, I've been reading from the book Hunted by Mark Hewitt, and I'm not going to lie to you guys, I'm looking forward more so to the books profiled and exposed, because that actually will allow me to talk about some of the psychological observations that have been made by Mark Hewitt in the case, and that I really want to see how he's going to go down his journey of identifying the Unabomber as the Zodiac Killer, because of course Mark Hewitt is also a supporter of the Zodiac-Unabomber connection, and we'll hear about more people who have uh, held those types of beliefs throughout this episode. But uh, before I move on to the next segment, I would like to remind you guys that this show depends on your support, and a great way that you can support this program is to go over to buymeacoffee.com, and if you make a contribution to help support the show, all funds will be used for things like purchasing true crime books to talk to you guys about, or buying equipment, and anybody who makes a contribution will get a shout-out on Zodiac Monday, which will be done later on in the episode, but last week on the channel, I was reading from an article at ZodiacKillerFacts.com about, that was written by Michael Butterfield, and he was talking all about people whom have, whom, who have accused their father of being the Zodiac, and one of the largest critics of both Michael Butterfield and Mark Hewitt is Ray Grant, who is the author of Zodiac Killer Solved, as well as the novel Zodiac Killer Dreams. And he had something to say about both of these writers, and Ray Grant's comments on Michael Butterfield are as follows. Let's do a quick chronology of Michael Butterfield. In 1998, Michael Butterfield threatened to punch Doug Oswell out on Google Groups for not giving him the contact information for Mike Grisconi. In 1998 as well, Michael Butterfield announced that he had found Gareth Penn's radian theory and that it was a gold mine. In 1999, Michael Butterfield was filmed for the documentary Case Reopened, in which Butterfield demonstrated the Mount Diablo Radian. Butterfield continued to defend the Radian theory for ten years, mostly imposed on Tom Voigt's original message board even when he conceded that the zodiac's angle was off by several degrees. Then, abruptly, in 2009, when he created a debunking website, Butterfield did a 180, and began claiming that he had debunked the radian theory because the angle was off by several degrees. Keep in mind that the measurement of the angle, which was done by Butterfield, Ed, Neil, and Jake Wark, hadn't changed at all for ten years. The measurement was close enough. Then, magically, it was not close enough. It was a crackpot idea. Keep in mind that the writer of the Zodiac letters had fudged other details, for example, saying that the Lake Herman Road murders happened last Christmas, spelled Christ Mass, but they took place on December 20th, not December 25th, and the Blue Rock Springs... Park murder happened on July 4th. Darlene Ferren wasn't shot until several minutes after midnight on July 5th. Butterfield also failed to mention two other map-related demonstrations from Case Reopened, the first being that an angle comprising the two Vallejo crime scenes and the location of the July 5th payphone creates a 57.29-degree angle, a 57.29-degree angle is called a radian, and that the X's on the zodiac symbol at the bottom of the November 9th, 1969 letter line up perfectly with the Presidio Heights, Lake Herman Road, Blue Rock Springs, and Lake Berryessa crime scenes. Maybe he forgot those, or maybe they were just inconvenient. And to provide a little bit of context, he is talking about the radiant theory that was made famous by Gareth Penn. Gareth Penn released a book in 1987 called Time 17, in which he more or less stated that Everybody has misunderstood the zodiacular mystery, and that what they truly need to look for are mathematical signatures. Gareth Penn, along with assistance from his father Hugh Penn, found out that the Radian, putting an angle of 57.29 degrees, approximately, on top of Mount Diablo shows that one arm of the Radian goes to Blue Rock Springs Park, and one arm goes to Presidio Heights, where Paul Stein was murdered. However, it doesn't actually go to Blue Rock Springs Park. It goes to... Blue Rock Springs, the golf course that that is located there, the Blue Rock Springs Golf Course. Now, as far as um, this one here goes, I mean, I've interviewed Michael Butterfield on the Zodiac Killer channel. That is the only time I've ever spoken to him. I've also never exchanged a single message or email with him, but... I can understand how somebody would have a change of heart about that, and I think he said something to the effect of that he used to be under the spell of Gareth Penn, thinking that this is the answer to everything, but he more or less had a change of heart on that particular subject. Now, as far as trying to punch Doug Oswell in the face or even wanting to or threatening to, I have no comment on that other than that type of behavior is absolutely unacceptable. But Ray Grant continues with some of his comments about Michael Butterfield. In 1999, Butterfield called Michael O'Hare, a Zodiac killer suspect, on the phone. Here is a description of part of the phone call from Butterfield's original Crackpot Files articles. Some years ago, I was talking on the phone with Zodiac killer suspect Michael O'Hare, and he mentioned that there was some other nut who had written a book about him using the same kind of mathematical distortions and fantasies employed by his original accuser, Gareth Penn. He mentioned that this person lived in Pennsylvania, Obviously O'Hare was referring to Raymond Grant, who has since developed an elaborate theory in which both Gareth Penn and Michael O'Hare, the accuser and the accused, committed the crimes together. And I should point out that there are two other participants in Ray Grant's theory, uh, Hugh Penn, Gareth Penn's father, and Bertamar Gouly's Michael O'Hare's mother. I had originally published my website on my website in August of twenty ten the crackpot files appeared. On August 10th of 2010. In September, I sent a link to my website to the reality-based community forum, and O'Hare responded with an email to all of his colleagues that said in part, Ray Grant, whoever he is, and which included a link to the crackpot files. I assumed that one or two of those colleagues responded by saying that since Michael O'Hare brought Ray Grant up in a telephone conversation in 1999, it was hard for him to claim that he didn't know who Ray Grant was at that point. At this point, O'Hare realized that the paragraph from Butterfield's article could be a problem, and he asked Butterfield to remove the three sentences. When Michael Butterfield was interviewed by Ned DeHaan in 2021, Butterfield claimed that he removed the three sentences because they disrupted the flow of the article, which is ridiculous. Why would you remove a quote from a man you say is being unjustly accused, a quote aimed at the accuser in an article to illustrate the false accusation, just because the passage doesn't have the right flow. Well, I can tell you firsthand about how some of this operates. Michael O'Hare denies all knowledge of Ray Grant, and if you ask him about it, he'll say that he doesn't know who Ray Grant is, but he would almost certainly have to. Ray Grant has been very much involved with pursuing Michael O'Hare on the case, distribution of pamphlets, as well as his own book, to people who have known O'Hare as well, and I've approached Michael O'Hare about this myself, and he just simply said that I know nothing about Ray Grant. So... No. Yes, of course, Michael O'Hare knows who Ray Grant is. Yes, he denies all knowledge of him. And I believe Ray Grant even wrote in the book discussion that I did on his work, Zodiac Killer Solve, that Michael O'Hare denies all knowledge of him because if he makes any public comments about him, then... Ray Grant will sue him, and then the, they will go under disclosure to find out what actually happened, but Ray Grant can correct me on that if he wants and the final comment that was written about Michael Butterfield was between nineteen ninety nine and two thousand and seven Mike Butterfield used borrowed material from Microdeli and Howard Davis without their consent after promising not to use it in two thousand and seven. Butterfield produced a book manuscript called Zodiac Death Machine," which might have seen publication, but Butterfield wanted to wait for David Fincher's Zodiac. Movie to come out first. Fincher's movie came out and Butterfield's book went into the mothballs. Also in 2007, Butterfield was signed as a consultant on David Fincher's the film Zodiac. After the movie came out, Butterfield walked into the theater with recording equipment and made a copy of it, which is a felony. Since Butterfield was a consultant on the movie, it also constituted breach of contract. Butterfield then made DVD copies of the movie and sent them out using his own original artwork. And everything that you've been hearing has been the comments of Ray Grant. Now, as far as this here, I've talked to Rodelli quite a lot about this incident. And yes, Rodelli doesn't um, dispute any of these details here, that he obtained a set of police reports about the Zodiac Killer, and that he sent them to Michael Butterfield because Michael Butterfield said he was writing a book, and he wanted to evaluate the police reports and compare them to the manuscript of the book, and then... He said that he wasn't going to share them with anyone, and he did, and Mike Rodelli even talked about how he appeared on a TV show and he was holding the police reports and reading from them, so he shared them in every way under the sun and in the darkness. Now, um, I think that perhaps Mike Rodelli didn't have a copyright to the police reports because they weren't exactly material that was meant to be copyrighted. It's not that type of intellectual property theft, so to speak. Instead, it's more just um, a deceitful thing to do. But also, um, as far as talking about the book here, Tom Voight wrote a very public story, if you will, about his interactions with Michael Butterfield, and he said something here to elaborate that Michael Butterfield was supposed to release a book about the Zodiac Killer around the time of the David Fincher film release, but he intentionally delayed the publication of his book because he wanted to include a review of the Zodiac Fincher film in his book, and you can read the full story on Tom Voigt's website, but I think that, um, That I'll just save that for him, and Michael uh, Butterfield definitely disputes a lot of those details, but you can um, hear more about that in the interview that I did with him on the Zodiac Killer channel. And everybody, please stay tuned, and there will be one quick message, and the word from our sponsor will play, and then be right back with you.